What is up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of the Snaggle Show. Yes, I am back after a extended hiatus of trying to balance both of my professional lives, my 9 to 5 and my OOTP job. Uh, I have took a step away. I posted all this on my Twitter. I took a step away from... Uh, the podcast and creating content and stuff like that, you know, as I just tried to balance the more major portions of my life. But I am back with a very special episode this week. Uh, I am very happy um, to do this Games of the Decade episode. I'm going to be joined in a few minutes by my close personal friend, Rich Grisham. Uh, we're going to go through our top 10 Games of the Decade, some honorable mentions, um, it's an amazing episode. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate you listening. If you're listening on anchor.fm slash the snaggle show or any podcast app of choice, I greatly do appreciate it. Um, so without further ado, I give you the games of the decade with myself and Rich Grisham. What is up, everybody? Welcome to a very special edition of The Snaggle Show as we round out 2019 and round out the decade with a look at some of our favorite games of the last 10 years. And I say our because I am joined by, I must say, probably my favorite podcasting co-pilot uh the one the only the phenomenal rich grisham chris you are so nice thank you for saying that about me here's here's what i'll say to you my friend i cannot believe with the amount of aggravation that i deal you on a daily basis on a weekly basis on a monthly basis you would elect on your own not forced by me or coerced on your own to get together late on a friday night to do this you my friend are an awesome person. Yep. Thank you for having me. It's funny because, like, like I have been working on this this games of the decade list for probably, I would say, at a minimum, probably two months. I think, like, mid October, I started putting things together and started trying to lay the groundwork for you know what I what my list would look like and started putting together you know the the short list of of games that I was going to consider. And then when I started getting towards the time where I'm like, okay, how am I going to put this together? What am I going to do? Am I just going to tweet out a list? Am I going to make a podcast? Am I going to do a video? Am I going to, you know, write a newsletter and mail it to people? I said, well, you know, we'll do the conventional podcast format and we'll bring the old Snaggle show back for a victory lap around the sun here. And then I thought, well, you know, it would probably be more fun if I, if I had someone to go back and forth with and... You're one of the very few people in gaming who still speaks to me on a regular basis. Um, so naturally, uh, you know, I was like, well, if I don't ask Rich, it'll be a solo job. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those cases of being the best man for the job and kind of being the only man for the job. I'll take it. I will take that. You know, it's funny, Chris. I'm so glad he asked me to do this. You know, we're also doing this on the Dodcast as well in a couple of weeks. Yes, so. I submitted. I submitted uh, my list to Pete. Oh, beautiful, Pete as well. So he probably doesn't know I'm recording this, but he oh, would no. have the full spoilers 
right. of what I'm about to reveal on my top right. 10. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I know there are at least one to two people in the world who care about my, um, uh, or, you know, one to two listeners, sorry, in the, in the, in the, in the Dogcast universe who actually care about, uh, my top 10 games of the decade. Right. Uh, they kind of don't like me over there. It's a whole thing, which is fine. I'm, I'm actually, you know, they're all good people, right? I it's mean, just video. I, I'm sure my listeners like you just fine. I like you just fine. <laughs> I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And I do expect oh, that we will this have... going to be great. I do expect that we will have completely different yes. um, lists. Uh, yes. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, um, don't spoil it, but the full lists will be at the bottom of the description down below. Uh, if you're watching the video version on YouTube, you can see I have over to the right side of the screen a handy-dandy list that I will be updating throughout uh, throughout the show as we go here. Um, so before we get into that, though, I think it's important to kind of look at what we have in front of us for a task and what we put into it. Because to be fair, it has been such an amazing decade for... Oh. For video games. And we talked about this when we did the Press Row podcast for our favorite yes. sports games of the decade. And just the advancements that have been made in technology and how sports games are becoming ever more you know, realistic one-to-one reproductions of the actual sports. But, like, I started with a, a list of 37 games to whittle down to this top 10. And to be honest... Any of the honorable mentions, of which I have six or seven at the bottom of the list, any of those would have made great top ten games. It has been such a such an interesting, diverse decade for games. It's just really, like, I feel like while this is going to be a very fun exercise, how do you narrow it down to just ten? But you know what? I'm so glad you said it because... I'm I'm so glad you said it because there's two things I wanted I wanted to mention before we get started. Number one, and I, and don't take this the wrong way because it, it's not meant that way. I didn't spend much time on this, but the reason I didn't spend much time on this is because it came to me really easily. Because as I'm sure we're going to talk about before we get to the list, you know, what does games of the decade mean? Yeah, does it mean the most technically proficient? Does it mean the most realistic? Does it mean the best story? Does it mean, what does it mean? And you and I, I'm pretty sure, said to each other, it means to each other whatever we want it to mean. Yeah. And the reason that it came together relatively quickly for me is because the one criteria I had was impact. Like emotional impact. Not necessarily any specific emotion. And I didn't have to look at really, I mean, first of all, I put my five or six together just thinking about it, which is what you really kind of want it to be. Right. And then, you know, there was a little bit of, okay, what are the obvious ones I'm missing sort of looking and things like that? And, and, and the rest came relatively quickly. So when I say I didn't spend much time on it, I only say that not from a like, oh, I didn't care. No, just because like the games that hit me really hit me and they were very easy to remember. Yeah, like the other. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the uh, the other thing I wanted to do is I I wanted to what what's the over under on our common games? I would, I'm putting I, the over under at three. That's, I was going to say two and I was going to say two and a half, 
And if if you you ask me to put $20 down, I'd probably take the under. Okay, so you're putting $20 in charity to a charity of your choice on the under, and I'm putting $20 of a charity on the over. Sounds good to me. What do you say? Works for me. Beautiful. Um, So that's the other thing I want to mention. So sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, no. I'm I'm of a similar mind, right? Like for me, one one through five were pretty pretty like easy to come to. I think immediately when I started making the list, I penciled in one and two. I debated them a bit. Uh, three, four, five came together relatively quickly. Six through twenty was just a mess. And I really had to sit down and think, would I pick this game over that game? Would I be upset if I didn't put that game on the list? Because, again, I came from it from a similar standpoint. I came from it looking at it in terms of how did this game Im- excuse me, impact my decade? Whether it be you know impacting how I played, impacting how I uh, enjoyed games... So that that's kind of my criteria is these 10 games by no means will be the 10 best technical masterpieces of the you know 2010s but they will be for me the 10 my 10 favorite games would probably be the best way to put it. The other yep. thing for me is that a lot of these games I feel like I have some games that unfairly will not be on the list because I just never played them. Up until probably 2016, 2017, I didn't play much beyond sports games. And it only really got to, you know, once I got to like the the later on in the current gen and especially picking up the Nintendo Switch and being able to play games through remakes um, where I got to play, you know, games where, that I had missed, and I've talked about Divinity 2, a game that's not in my top 10, but I've talked about that game as an example a million times, an amazing game that I missed for six years because I just never played it. Yeah, so, that's fine. That's, yeah. why, that's why it's your list. That's and, why and, it's your list. And I think, for you know, for me, I, I ended up, I looked to the right, and people are going to see me while it's left on the screen. It's my right. People are going to see me looking over there at my list throughout the stream, and I look at it right now, one through ten, and I am very, very, very happy with uh, with where it ended up. Um, so I guess that really only means, Rich, that we should get into the action now. As my esteemed guest, I will let you go first and reveal your number ten game of the decade. Right here, right now. We ready? Uh, I I think it's go time. Okay, very good. Number ten is Sound Shapes, and I associate Sound Shapes with the Vita. Sound Shapes is is one of the most brilliant integration of music and gameplay. You know, it. Well, no, it's not one of. It's the most. It's the most brilliant integration of music and gameplay I've ever played. I thought it was brilliant. I heard about it from Mike Phillips on the Player One podcast. It's the first time I can re- recall hearing about it. I didn't hear about it, I don't think, from 
you know, other other areas. And I don't love sound shapes just because of my experience with it. What I love sound shapes really as well as is because I distinctly remember and my son remembers I love sound shapes because of the impact that game had on my son. And and it was really the first game that he and I both spent a lot of time playing together you know he was very young when this game came out i don't exactly know when it came out i'm sure it's a simple google search away but um he really took to it and the combination of not just playing it but also it had a really really entertaining level builder that again come it's not just building levels where you're building what the user runs and jumps on you're also creating music that is integrated with with what you do so sound shapes just was this brilliant beautiful strange game that combined a whole lot of different visual styles and you know the concept of albums and there was beck who's great contributed a couple of songs to it and and i'm i'm not doing a good job sort of going a to z why it's a good game other than to say sound shapes is one of the best games i ever played and my son fell in love with it and really taught him a lot about level design and building. That was the first game, and he loves doing that kind of stuff. That was the first game where he really did that a lot, and and he still to this day plays it. So Sound Shapes is number 10 on my games of the decade, Chris. This is going to be a hell of a show because right off the bat, first game out of the shoot, never heard of this game until you mentioned it on this show just now. And I don't know if you can get it anymore because its never, servers were shut never down. Never in like my life. I had to actually, while you were talking about it, had to Google whether it was one or two words, so I reflected it properly on the list on the side of the screen. Um, so if, if this is any indication of how this show is going to go, this is going to be a heck of a lot of fun as we uh, as we move on. Speaking of lists, let's get to my number 10. Uh, my number 10 is Fallout New Vegas. Nice. Um, for me, so here's the thing. Right off the bat, I'm going to polarize fans of the Fallout universe because Fallout New Vegas is one of those games in the Fallout sphere that you either really love it or you really hate it. Simply because of the fact that it is, for lack of a better term, the bastard child of the Fallout series being made by Obsidian, who, if you follow gaming news in 2019, are, are, are back in a huge way. Um... And for me, Fallout New Vegas was one of those games that, to this day, I could put it in the PS3 and play it and love it and just melt hours away, you know, traveling around the the Vegas wasteland, uh, whether you, you know, go on the Legion side, whether you side with the NCR... The story was, um, I don't want to say it was refreshing compared to Fallout 3, but it was different. It, it, it was more, there was a certain element of choice that I think was ratcheted up a little bit from 3. I really liked Fallout 3. Uh, you know, again, if, it, if this was, uh, you know, the 2009 version of this show, probably would have been on my games of the decade list there as well. But New Vegas was just one of those games that, that I loved it. I loved everything it did. Um, I always have loved Fallout mechanics. I think that, um, you know, in terms of the three Fallout games that we got this decade, New Vegas is head and shoulders 
better than Fallout 4, and I don't even need to mention Fallout 76 because that's a whole other episode unto itself. Um, but yeah, for me, Fallout New Vegas was, it was just that really good, uh, you know, first-person shooter RPG game uh, at a good time. And like I said, even now, you know, it came out in 2010, so you're looking at a game that is pushing double-digit year old, but it's it, it, whole, it stands the test of time. It is a fantastic game, and it cracks my list at number 10. Love it. That's great. All right. I never played it. Never played it. See, I, look, see I how heard of going? it. Right. Never played it. This is how we're going. All right. So now we'll All do right. what we'll do, Rich, is I'll do my number nine, and then okay. we'll, we'll do like uh, like snake draft back and forth. That works. That but works. you get to be number one last. This is your show. Well, no matter we'll, where we'll, we wind up we'll, there. We'll see about that. Uh, so for okay. me, um, my number nine game is a very controversial one. Uh, and that is Grand Theft Auto V. Um, and I want to make it very clear that Grand Theft Auto V is on my list, not necessarily for the game itself, but for what it represents in how I interact with games. Grand Theft Auto V, to me, um, and the ushering in of the GTA roleplay community on Twitch, which I love and adore, and I melt away hours watching talented creators and their characters interact in these massive, openly uh, generated worlds with mods, and you know, just just provide some of the best content that I've ever watched. Uh, within this Grand Theft Auto V universe, don't get me wrong. Grand Theft Auto V is a is a very good game. If you are a fan of that sort of genre of games, uh, you know Grand Theft Auto V is is pretty much the gold standard when it comes to that sort of stuff. But again, for me, the impact goes beyond the game. You look at a game that the online services well over five years after it was released, is keeps this game in the top ten on sales charts regularly. People are still buying Grand Theft Auto on Steam in, in, in hordes and spending you know billions of dollars in online currency because they have this, this environment that over five years after it was released, they're still providing like weekly and bi-weekly content, which is just absolutely insane uh, it makes you wonder you know and and excited with how they're gonna if they're gonna handle red dead redemption 2 in the same sort of way um, you know what yeah go ahead i think i think the most interesting thing about this to me is i i this is this is a dramatic oversimplification but i still think it rings true is i think that was all an accident right yeah. like they were going to do grand theft auto online right it was always going to oh, be absolutely. a part of but I do not think that their business plan had had anything close to this happening. I'm pretty sure their business plan was we're going to release Grand Theft Auto V and we're going to have it be on two you know, generations of consoles and it's going to have a four to five year lifespan and then we'll have yeah. Grand Theft Auto VI. I think for and sure. And instead, this whole online thing 
it had to have taken them by surprise. Just be, I say that only because it's never happened before. Like, there's no precedent for this whatsoever. It's hard to plan for something that is completely unprecedented. I think for sure. It, and again, this is purely speculation, but I would I would venture at least a twenty dollar bill that Rockstar wanted to put Red Dead Redemption two out before they were before they did, and have another Grand Theft Auto game on this generation of console. Uh, something that they could release late in the console life cycle and then port it to the new consoles. Right. But again, like you said, the success of their online platform allowed them to sit back and just, and make, you know, take all the time they needed to make Red Dead Redemption 2 the game that it is. And now they can, you know, focus on GTA 6 for the next generation of consoles and build it specific to that generation of console. It completely reset the business plan of Rockstar 100%. I agree with that. Uh, and like I said, it has spanned this whole sub-community of content with the, the, the GTA roleplay community that has gone through peaks and valleys but you know is still at any given time Grand Theft Auto Five is still in the top five streamed games oh. on Twitch. And it's 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 amazing. It it it, it is uh, that's a, it's unprecedented. The success of this game is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the the only reason that it is what it is is because it's astoundingly good. Right? Yep. You don't become what this is unless the underlying game is just. Yep tremendous and 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 that's that's the core right it, it it and i've never played it i mean i let me rephrase it i played grand theft auto 5 when it first came out uh, and i played the traditional mode because that was what was available when it first came out and unlike past grand theft autos i played i compl- i played through to completion three vice city and san andreas vice city and three multiple times yeah vice city still the best. so I am steeped in the modern, you know, not modern, modern, but you know, the the not the original Grand Theft the, Auto the, top the down. 3D versions the 3D, of Grand Theft Auto. Right. I, you know, quote unquote grew up. Like like you said, you know, you take what you said where you played sports games most of the decade. Mm-hmm. Take that's me, except just ten years earlier. Yeah. Right. Most you know, Grand Theft Auto three was the game that really brought me into non-sports video games not completely but you you know exactly what i mean i sure yep. i dabbled in other things but yeah, it was yeah. mostly sports games up, up until then that's what did it for me so but gta 5 did not click for me like it wasn't like this isn't really well made or whatever it's just the story and some of the things like it just did, didn't work for me so i never played never played the online but um yeah the the yeah i it's just the the experience the there's no way they thought that this was going to be there would not be a grand theft auto this entire a new grand theft auto this entire generation but it it is the underlying game is just amazing I, and that's where that's what it all is it's success to and that's why it's my number nine game so rich back over to you number nine on the list so my number nine is spider man on the PlayStation 4. It's... I, I do not like superheroes. I don't read comic books. 
I don't watch any of the superhero movies, any of them. And by the way, when I say that, I'm not folding my arms, scolding people who like, I, it's not that, right? We all have things that we love and things that we don't love. I love sports. I love music, right? I just superheroes and comic books. I just don't, I, it's not my thing. And, and because of that, I don't, you know, enjoy the movies. I don't know anything about it. I don't uh, play any of the other games. I don't read the comic books. Spider-Man, PlayStation 4, this most recent one, was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had playing a video game. Like, take my dislike of comic books. This game was so good that I loved every minute of it. And it's a comic book game, you know, the whole yeah. story and everything going on. But it, I mean, my gosh, Chris, swinging through an amazing recreation of New York City. I don't even like games that are combat heavy, right? I'm not into the Dark Souls or the, you know, the fighting games. I loved beating up dudes in Spider-Man. Loved it. Loved all the moves, right? Loved grabbing the weapons and smashing them right back in the dudes' faces. I completely was into the story. The, the, the cutscenes, the visuals tremendous i love this game this game the the spider-man game on the playstation 4 for somebody who abjectly dislikes the entire genre it i uh, loved it and also my son loved it and my son is like me and i don't look if he loved superheroes that'd be awesome i'd be all over it he doesn't like that stuff either he loved it too like that's just that's how great this game is it doesn't matter whether you like superheroes or not for a game that's all about a superhero the underlying video game is so much fun to play Spider-Man uh, for the PlayStation 4 is my number nine. I haven't played it uh, because it came out at a time where I was playing a lot of other stuff. Um, but I did notice uh, I was browsing through some pre-Boxing Day flyers a few days ago, and I noticed that it was going to be on sale, and it's on my short list of games I'd like to pick up and play. I, I did watch a lot of streams when it came out. Uh, it looked like a very, very impressive game. Uh, again, I'm not a, a comic book focused person. Um, I am a Spider-Man fan. I grew up on the old school Technicolor Spider-Man cartoons um, that they used to show reruns of. I used to love those cartoons. I could still sit down and watch them until up, you know, until this day. But yeah, I definitely agree that 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 particular game uh, is one of those games that that goes beyond the the comic book genre that a lot of people would pigeonhole it into it's a fantastic action adventure game if, yep. if it was a unique character called webman uh you know it, it, it would still be a great game the, the, right. the spider-man-ness of it is secondary i feel yes. like to how good of a game it is yes you're exactly yeah. right and and i i've there, there are plenty of good superhero games. Yes. Like I played plenty of the Arkham Asylum game. Yeah, plenty Those of it. Come to mind immediately. But not even remotely close. Like I finished Spider Man. Right. I don't finish anything. No. I finished Spider Man, and that's not a four or eight hour thing. There's twenty five, yep. thirty, forty hours into it. Like, and I finished a lot of the side quests. Like I, and I loved every minute of it. Every minute of it, loved it. Like did did, did you know? I, I and the Arkham games did nothing for me, nothing. You know, like I just this this is this game had it all. It just it was fun to move. It was fun to fight. The story kept you going. It had interesting characters, top 
notch presentation, top notch. And, you know, it's nice to be immersed in a universe like that, you know, where there's so much care yep. that's put into everything, mm -hmm. right? You feel like you're being respected. And, and that definitely had something to do with it, too. All right, Rich, keep the train rolling. Number eight. Number eight is a game called Spec Ops The Line. Uh, I don't have any idea why I played this game. Um, somewhere deep in the recesses, because I've been podcasting for most of this decade. So, you know, but it, it's there's a lot of different places. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, not a lot, not like 30. There's like seven different places. Somewhere in one of the shows that I was doing when I played this game, and I didn't play it when it first came out. I played it at some point after a year, three years, four years, somewhere, somewhere afterwards. I don't exactly remember why I picked up this game. And then when I did start playing this game for the first few hours, I'm like, all right, this is, you know, generic military shooter number seven, right? I'm a Marine in the desert with, you know, my buddies and we're killing people. And then it just took this completely strange turn and transfixed me in again a way like i'm gonna i'm gonna say a lot of the same things but that's i'm saying a lot of the same things because these games had a ton of impact on me but oh, this absolutely. game like very few other games right i was really i was into what was happening from a story perspective um spec ops the line takes place in a uh, city in the desert, like the Persian Gulf Desert, something like you know, a, a one you know one of the big cities, like Doha, right? Has a big you know sort of city that sort of they created out of out of nothing, you know, and just built this sprawling metropolis, right? So it's all like really big, shiny new buildings, but there's been like this massive sandstorm that has overtaken it, and and that's sort of what you're dumped into in sort of a modern military situation. And, and the environment is so captivating and so interesting and so well done. And then this story, like I said, sort of goes from this very ordinary, you know, nondescript thing into this complete sort of, you know, there's the whole apocalypse now, um, full metal jacket thing going on. And, there, it, you know, I don't want to get into the story at all, but just like it, it's so different and so unexpected so that that combination really blew my mind so spec ops the line is is number eight on my list i can't argue with that um so my number eight is a publisher that i've already mentioned on this show uh except in a more recent capacity and I look forward to debating some people on this one. Uh, my number eight is Outer Worlds. Uh, I know nice. I know it's only been out for two months. It's okay. Um, but to me, Outer Worlds is one of the most complete, well-written, first-person RPG games that has come out in this decade. Now... You will see, you know, again, not spoiling anything, but I do have a thing for, you know, the Fallout sort of, you know, the first-person shooter uh, RPG-type games. When I'm not playing sports games, it is by far my favorite genre. Um, but Outer Worlds, to me, 
for as anticipated as it was, and there are a few people that I know in my circle who were more hyped for Outer Worlds than I was. The moment I saw it um, and seeing that, you know, that it was being made by Obsidian, um, uh, like, I, I saw this game's going to be a hit. It's Fallout in Space. Like, I, I fully expected it to be Fallout in Space. But what I got was Fallout in Space. But it's the, the story and the characters, to me, that kept me coming back to the game. I have not blown away a weekend on video games in an extremely long time until the Outer Worlds came out and I put 17 hours in over the course of two days. I haven't done that in, in years. I couldn't put it down. I kept wanting to explore, you know, the side stories for the, you know, for some of the uh, companions that you can get, which are very well done. Pretty much all of them are very well done. Some of them are a little more fleshed out than others for reasons that I won't go into because I don't want to spoil it for anybody where it's a relatively new game. Um, but it was it was so well done. There was so much attention to detail. There was almost no issues, which was huge. Like, there were no game-breaking bugs. The few things that were, um, you know, that needed to be patched were minor annoyances um, that didn't really impact the game as a whole. I just had so much fun exploring space with Outer Worlds. I cannot wait until we get the DLC in 2020. Um, by then, the Switch version will be out, which will give me a reason to play this thing all over again on the Switch um, because that's just how I roll these days. Um, yeah, I know you've played Outer Worlds uh, I know, Excellent. I know that you you had some glowing things to say about it as well. Um, Love it. I have not finished. Yeah, I'm still playing. I had some trepidation about can I really say a game that came out two months ago was one of the games of the decade? But you know what? Of Dude. of the of the two games I've mentioned already, GTA Five and Fallout New Vegas, and all of the honorable mentions that I have, I could not make a case for any of those. That I enjoyed it more. That they that it was any better than Outer Worlds. So Outer World, Outer go. Worlds is my That's number great. eight. Um, Dude, Outer Worlds is, is a blast. I love that game. Love it. It is a it's a very good game. Like I said, and and I look forward to seeing how they build on, um, I build on the stories and stuff with downloadable content. I think that is going to be a wonderful opportunity as well to unlock some new planets and some new storylines and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to. Um, continuing to dabble in that universe. Um, so now my number seven um, will be the only sports game that I have on the list. Um, and it was my sports game of the decade. For those of you that listen to the Press Row podcast, that would be NCAA Football 14. Now, NCAA Football 14 is not the best football game that has ever been made. Um, yes, it is the last college football game that we've gotten, officially licensed college football game that we've gotten. Sorry to my friends over who make uh, Doug Flutie Maximum Football. 
Um, but as I said when, when we did the, the Press Row podcast, NCAA Football 14 for me, I can still pick it up. I can still play it. Uh, you know, my PS3 literally still gets hooked up to my machine because of NCAA Football 14. Um, it, it is... You know, as a guy who primarily has played franchise modes in sports games, it is still one of the best fully fleshed out franchise modes in any console sports game. Um, it's just, it is, it is to me what I always wanted a sports game to be on console. You know, just fun, engaging, great gameplay, great franchise mode. Give me options to manage my school, um, you know, the, the ability to create schools and edit rosters and just the endless possibilities that you could play through dynasty modes. I used to upload my dynasty reports to various forums, most of which are now long defunct. Um, so that helped me, you know, join multiple communities. Some people I've met in those communities I still interact with to this day. Uh, it was just for me, you know, when you look at the last 10 years of sports games, it's not the most technically sound. It's not the most impressive graphically. But to me, it is the one that out of all the sports games from the last 10 years, out of the park baseball games not included, uh, it is the one game that I can keep going back to, and again, just just having so much fun, um, you know, starting up a dynasty and and trying to win a national championship. And uh, honestly, I don't until the the day comes, if it ever does, that they make a new version. I still don't see me ever fully being able to drop NCAA Football 14 as a title that I enjoy. That's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful it's thing. It's great. All right, Rich. You're on the clock. So it's number seven to me? You're on the clock at number seven. Okay. I did not set it up this way on purpose, but after it happened, I'm looking at it saying, yep, this is right. So my number seven is Detroit Become Human. Mm. I am not a fan of David Cage. I think that's the guy. Per games per se. But I'm a big fan of the games that David Cage has made. Detroit Become Human. I did not play it when it first came out. In fact, I didn't play it until it became available on PlayStation Plus. This, ditto. Ditto. I had, ditto for me, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. I had heard... You know, in various people, you know, games critics, podcasts that I listen to, I had not heard glowing reviews of this game. So I actually was a bit trepidatious. <laughs> I don't know what people would complain about with this game. This game is a technical marvel. It is unbelievably complex in the storytelling and in the choices given to you as a player and the impact of those choices the emotion that is displayed on the characters of the faces some of whom are human and some of whom are android is like nothing i've ever seen again i chris i'm gonna be saying a lot of the same hyper hyperbolic statements all night long but these are games of the decade yep. right like i mean 
You know, yep. we're not talking about games of the month. That's right. Um, and again, moments of impact. There is a late stage level or chapter, a late stage chapter in Detroit Become Human that was particularly just, you know, one of those moments where you go, whoa. And, uh, man, Detroit Become Human, just, I loved everything about it. Again, I, well, yeah, I, I loved everything about it, right? It was incredibly original. It was very poignant. It took a lot of risks and went to a lot of places. And I could easily play that game three times. I've only played it once. This is one of those games where I know I'm going to play this again and I know my experience is going to be very different. And that's why I'm a little trepidatious of even doing that because it's almost like I kind of feel like this story that I had should be the story, but yet it was so good. Yeah. And going through a second time, I know I would experience different things. So Detroit Become Human is my number seven. I loved this game. So... I got to play a demo of Detroit Becomes Human, Become Human. At I look at it on the wall for people watching the video version. You will see my PAX East 2018 badge on the wall behind me. Uh, I got to play a pre-release demo of Detroit Become Human um, at the booth, at the Sony booth at PAX East in 2018. And I played it for five or ten minutes, and I remember turning to the guy, the, the, the PlayStation representative behind me, and I remember telling him, this game's going to be a hit. Um, it, it, for the reasons, the biggest thing that I'm glad you touched on was the risks that they took with this game. You know, making it a, a, a it's a shorter game, choice-based but it's such an impactful story. Um, yep. It's one of those games that it just it, it sticks with you. You're thinking about it hours after you've turned the console off. Did you make yes. the right choice? What is the next choice you're going to have to make? And that, to me, is the telling mark of a game of this style, that you're thinking about it even when you're not playing. What's the next move you're going to have to make? Did you make the right move yesterday? You know, do you want to go back and load up a previous save and be like, oh, I really want to play that differently? Or, you know, I'll have to play it differently next time. It's it's such a different, fresh, breathtaking take on a, a choice-based adventure game. Uh, and yeah, I definitely think it's, it is well-deserving of the consideration that you've given it. Now, I'll stop trampling on your time, Rich. And let you reveal your number six. My number six is Heavy Rain. Ooh, very good choice. You said the phrase, sticks with you. Heavy Rain stuck with me more than any game I think I've ever played. After, both during and after. Heavy Rain freaked me out. I'm not going to say that Heavy Rain was the most technically superior or that the, the facial, um, you know, the emotions of the characters' faces, right? Like, what Detroit, they're both made by the same guy, by the way, for, for those listening who don't know that. Uh, Heavy Rain was, the was I don't want to say the first big budget David Cage game, but I think it was the first big budget 
David Cage game. Funny, and funny story. Become... I will interrupt real quick to let you know. Yeah. They were both PS Plus games for, in the same month this year, in July. Okay. Gotcha. Right. And in between Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human came a game called Beyond Two Souls, which I also played all the way to the finish and enjoyed. Not a game of the decade list quality game, but again, very, very good game. Detroit Become Human was like the culmination in, I mean, it's technical expertise and incredible branching storyline and, and all of that. Like Detroit Become Human was, was is a technical masterpiece in addition to being you know, just a beautifully crafted story and characters and emotion and, and choices and challenge. Heavy Rain is much less of a game, quote unquote, than Detroit Become Human. But it also came out at the start of the decade, whereas Detroit Become Human came out at the end of the decade. And I had never played a game like Heavy Rain before. And again, it just stuck with me. Certain moments, certain things that were happening. I didn't know what to do. Like, you're basically in the middle of this movie. And at various points, you're all of a sudden you got to press these buttons in a certain way, or you got to make this choice or the decision. Like you know, there was no preparation for what was coming ahead. And again, just like with Detroit Become Human, right? Whatever your story was, was your story was. But there's lots of different directions that the game could go. And oh my gosh, Heavy Rain stuck with me for a long time, long time. Again, this was this was one of the easy ones, right? Like this one came to me right away that heavy rain because again i just thought about it for days and, and to this day like i remember certain scenes i remember crawling on the glass like when you're crawling to to get from one point to the other like having to to, to figure out a way to get over and if you went the wrong way how, how badly it would hurt you you know i i remember you know that feeling when when you couldn't use your powers because it just hurt you so much, but you would try and you'd want to so much. Like I just remember the moments where where you know you're you're stuck in the house and you're and you're you know your character because you're changing characters and like the character could live or they could die and like you knew at that point that if they died something very different was going to happen than if they lived and and you're trying to fight off this 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 attack like just all these different amazing. Parts of the game. And of course, you know, the dad who's got his son in the beginning, like slight spoiler, this is very, very, very early on. The dad who's got his son in this crowded shopping mall. And then he, you know, he's sort of his son sort of bounds ahead and all he can see are the balloons. And then then the balloons disappear. And then Jay, then his son, Jason, Jason is gone. Like just even that emotionally as a dad of a young boy. Oh, my God, Chris, this game. So I mean, you know, the 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 visual and audio and technical difference between Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human is like I went back and played Heavy Rain after Detroit Become Human, and like it, the difference is stark. But at it, it, that doesn't matter to me. That's why I got Heavy Rain a little bit ahead of it because just at the time, the impact and what it was doing and how it was doing, and at the time, it was as good of looking a game as you could get. Right. Heavy Rain just grabbed me and stuck with me for a long time. Well, from the deep, dark atmosphere of heavy rain to the slightly more chipper world of Nintendo as we bound into the Nintendo sphere for the first time uh, in the top ten list, my number six game is Super Mario Odyssey, um, which maybe comes out of left field, I guess, Uh Based on spectacular game. So here's the thing. Um, 
I have I've been very forthcoming on this podcast and a lot of other places that I absolutely took a giant dump on the Nintendo Switch in the lead up to its release, at its release, uh, and I am the first person to admit that I could not have been more wrong. Um, I hated the idea of the Switch. I hated the idea that they launched it with literally Zelda and nothing else. That we didn't get a Mario game until like eight months after the thing was out. Um, I didn't end up picking one up until Christmas 2017. Uh, it was our family Christmas gift, uh, aka Christmas Christmas gift. Um, and it, the, the Nintendo Switch is single handedly responsible for renewing my love of video games. And Super Mario Odyssey, it was a huge, huge part of that. Um, you know, I had played the Super Mario Galaxy games. Uh, I was I wouldn't say I was a big fan. I mean, I'm more of a fan of like, you know, Mario Brothers 3, the, the side scroller. I still enjoy playing, you know, when they re-released new Super Mario Brothers Deluxe U or U Deluxe or whatever it was called. I enjoyed the heck out of that game. But Super Mario Odyssey, to me, is about as close as you could take a Mario game to being a perfect technical masterpiece. Uh, it is amazingly done. Uh, the controls are almost flawless. Uh, it is fun as hell, which is the staple of any Mario game. Is it fun? Yes, it's fun. Uh, it's challenging. Um, it was an, an absolute refreshing experience uh, for it being my first experience on the Nintendo Switch and one that I will never, ever forget. I still haven't fully beaten Mario Odyssey, um, but, you know, the little fun things they do with being able to buy suits for Mario and, you know, the little... You know, the little side fun things, the inside jokes, um, the the callbacks to previous Mario games with, you know, some of the more Easter eggy type things. Uh, it's just, it's everything you would ever want in a Super Mario game. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those games where when I started making the list, uh, I think it was in the 20s at the beginning. And I just kept saying, well, Mario Odyssey was better than this. Well, Mario Odyssey was better than this. Well, Mario Odyssey was more fun than that. I enjoyed Mario Odyssey way more than that. And then all of a sudden it made it all the way up to number six. Uh, so here we are with the first Nintendo Switch game making its uh, drop at number six. Fabulous. Now, sticking with the theme of Nintendo for a second... Uh, now, this is the one that may get me a little bit of, uh, of backlash, and I will gladly defend this um, to the day that I die. Uh, but my number five game is a Legend of Zelda game. Uh, but it is not the Legend of Zelda game that most people are um, touting as their favorite Zelda game of the decade. My fa uh, number five game of the decade is The Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds on the Nintendo 3DS. 
Yes, a 3DS game made the top five of my uh, of my games of the decade list. Legend of Zelda: Link Between Worlds to me, to me, is what a Zelda game should be. Yes, I enjoyed Breath of the Wild. Yes, I thought it was an amazing Zelda game, but it's not a traditional Zelda game. Link Between Worlds. Uh, again, on the 3DS, so you have to temper your expectations in terms of, you know, quality and performance and things of that nature. But it was, it was a challenging, very well written, engaging experience that I thoroughly enjoyed. I, I played it at a time where traveling was a very large part of my job and of my everyday life. And the 3DS was my best friend. And the two weeks or so that I spent um, playing Link Between Worlds was two of the happiest weeks I've had playing video games in a long, long, long time. The, you know, the bouncing between, you know, the, the, the two different worlds uh, to try to further the quest. The, you know, the, the interlacing light versus dark kind of story that was there. Um, you know, the typical, you know, Zelda elements of, of puzzle solving and dungeons and things of that nature. This is just, this is the Zelda game that if you are a traditional Zelda fan and you have not played Link Between Worlds, it is worth buying a 3DS and finding a copy of Link Between Worlds to play it. It is an amazing game. It is a wonderful traditional Zelda experience. And in my mind, it is the best Zelda game that we got in this particular decade for the reasons that I just mentioned. Uh, so now, Rich, let's, uh, let's dive into the, the Rich Grisham Top 5. Okay. Real quick, I just wanted to mention, yes. I also played uh, and enjoyed a significant amount of Link Between Worlds. The 3DS is a wonderful... Wonderful device. Terribly underrated and a link, device. Link Between Worlds might be the game I played the mo I spent the most time on. It's possible on that. I've had multiple 3DSs and I played a lot of it, but not like not not as nearly as much time. I've always been more of a console player than a than a handheld a handheld player. But I played a lot of Link Between Worlds. A lot of Link Between Worlds. Excellent choice. Love it. All right, number five. And again, this is going to be similar, again, not on purpose. It just happened this way. Similar to my grouping of two similar genre games before are the two sports games that uh, meant the most to me in the, in the decade. Uh, number one, uh, excuse me, number five is MLB 19, the show. Now, I could have gone with 16. You know, there were, there were extended periods of time where TJ and Brian Weedye and I and one or two other people had online leagues of some significance. And I spent a lot of time playing MLB The Show. I mean, I spent a lot of time playing MLB The Show over the entire decade on, on every platform that it was on. PSP and Vita and PS2 and PS3 and PS4. I don't know when it became MLB The Show exactly. I played it before and after that. But the reason I go with MLB 19, in other words, the newest one, uh, is because of two reasons. Number one, playing that game, just playing the baseball, the way that I like to play it, is sublime. I found, Chris, I have found the sweet spot 
right, the level of difficulty and the controller settings to where if I'm really smart and really good and a little bit lucky, I can score some runs. Right. And if I pitch smartly, more often than not, I'll be successful. But if I make a dumb mistake, I will pay for it. And even if I do everything right hitting, I'm not always going to make everything right, but enough to where I'll do it. And and when you find that spot in a game like MLB The Show, it's really good. And you combine that with the fact that it just looks stupidly good. Like this game just looks amazing. The ballparks, the players, the sounds, the animations. Oh my gosh, Chris. It's just like it it it, it kind of sneaks up on you because you just play it year after year after year after year. But when you really stop and take a look around and 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 what this game offers from a visual presentation perspective, holy moly, my goodness. And then then the wild card in this, which is what tips the scales completely in MLB 19, the show, is the only mode that I ever play, Chris, March to October. It is the perfect console mode for me because it completely focuses on the best parts of the game and gives you a whole bunch of different challenges along the way that maximize and optimize your enjoyment of it. March to October should be called the Rich Grisham mode. <laughs> it is perfect for me. It's like this little yeah. campaign, right? The single-player campaign. You don't have to worry about the injured list and your pitching rotations. You're just thrown into, all right, it's the seventh inning, and it's two to one, you're down. Go in the game. Or uh, you are... Pete Alonso today, and you're going to get his at-bats and you get his plays in the field. Go get it. Or it's one nothing in the ninth, close out the game. Or Jacob DeGrom has a no-hitter going in the seventh, finish it off. Or whatever. Like, it's just, it goes in 20 different yeah. directions. And the, the, the pace is wonderful. I love the fact that I don't need to manage stuff. But it does give you a couple choices. Like, hey, you know, you're in the pennant race. You want to trade for Josh Donaldson? And I say, absolutely, I do. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want to get Josh Donaldson? Especially because when the season's over, win, lose, or draw, I'm just starting another March to October. Let's go get Josh Donaldson. And I do. Yeah. But, like, you know, they'll make the trade for it. And, 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 oh, gosh. So it puts everything together in a way that made it really easy for me to pick this game. I love MLB the 19th show. And all I do is play March to October. I have not touched any other mode in this game. And I just get on my treadmill and I walk three miles and I play it. And it is December 20th, 2019, as we record this, Chris. I played this today. I played the National League Championship Series Game 5 of the Mets against the Dodgers today in MLB The Show, uh, March to October. Did you win? I did. I'm up three games to one. I have to agree. MLB uh, MLB 19, The Show, is an amazing masterpiece um, on the field. Uh, for sure, it is a wonderful representation of the game of baseball. Um, graphically, it's absolutely amazing, especially if you play it on a PS4 Pro. Uh, it is, it is, which it I is do, absolutely fan. It's absolutely on. fantastic. Even on the OG PS4, which is what I play it on because I'm an original gangster. Um, it looks amazing. <laughs> Uh, I know you don't dabble in the Diamond Dynasty stuff, but I don't touch anything as, other than Marshall. As, as someone 
who, you know, my fly-by-night job is uh, planning and developing content for a baseball game. I, I have to admire what? the... <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Newsflash, everybody out there. We're breaking the fourth wall here. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, like, <laughs> you have to admire, you know, that side of their, of their business oh. as well. Their content programs are amazing. They do a great job over there. Um, I responded. They had a tweet out the other day um, asking who uh, who your in-game MVP would be on your team. Uh, I actually responded to the tweet saying the people behind the scenes that make this game. Uh, because they, you know, I, I've had the pleasure of meeting some of them in person. Um, they, are, you know, these guys, you can see how much they care about baseball because totally. every mode is well done. Um, it's a wonderful representation of the game. Uh, I mean, if you like baseball in any way, shape or form buy out of the park, baseball 20, uh, it's only $5 on PC right now, but if you're limited sure. to PS4, then I suggest MLB 19, the show as well. They can coexist folks. They buy, buy all the baseball games, right? We need more baseball, yes. not less. Buy all the baseball As, games. Uh, what is the hashtag that, that TJ uses? Uh, I don't One know. baseball, all one baseball, something. We all love each other. Something. You know, we're all, and, we do. And, you know, like I said, it's funny because, you know, you and I, you know, spending our days, you know, working at OTP and, and developing that product, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fun to sit back and look at what they're doing and... and you know, drawing some parallels and and looking at it and saying, "Hey, I really like how they did that, but we could do it this way, and and it worked for us." And that's kind of the the the, the neat thing that we have in this little baseball sphere. But yeah, MLB the show. I don't think anybody could uh, could look at you having MLB nineteen the show at number five and give you any sort of flack for it. They probably will try, but well, it's yeah, that's okay. not deserved. All right. Rich, number four. Number four is the other sports game on my list, and that is NBA 2K12. We talked about this on the uh, the Press Row podcast, Sports Games of the Decade. This was my number one. This was the one. This was the one. This is the only uh, – I did uh, Metacritic site reviews for all kinds which of games. We looked, which we looked up games. live while we were recording right. while we were recording the PRP. Of any game I ever did a Metacritic review, and there are over 100, might even be 200, I only gave one five stars, and that was this one. I love this game. This game was, again, th this was the culmination. This was the peak. And by the way, I play NBA 2K20 every day as well. NBA 2K20 is spectacular in, 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 in what and how I play it. But the NBA 2K12 had the impact, right? We talk about impact, and that impact was... This was the year after the Jordan Challenge. The Jordan Challenge NBA 2K changed the rules for sports video games forever. Okay? But, but the, the next year's game, I would just personally to me spoke it the most because it had the Legends Challenge where you had, I think it was 30 NBA teams that each had their own little sort of three to four game arc that you had to go on to win the challenge. Right. And I and and the way that the challenges were set up, those thirty teams or twenty teams—I forget exactly how many it was—but I think it was thirty. Those thirty teams, they, 
each of the players had their own play style and personality. Like for the first time really ever, you could really tell that that was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or that was Michael Jordan or that was Charles Barkley or that was Clyde Drexler or that was, um, or that was Wilt Chamberlain or that was Bill Russell or Larry Bird or Bob Cousy. So many different kinds of players that really for the first time I ever was like, oh my gosh, they, that's how that guy played. That's Dr. J playing like Dr. J or Hakeem Olajuwon. Very distinctive players. That game, right, so the combination of the tremendous people and personalities and, and soul combined with the, again, superb gameplay on the court, I mean, really just as good as I thought I had ever played. NBA 2K12, my all my favorite sports video game of the decade, and is my number four overall video game of the decade. I, I love the NBA 2K series mainly these days because they actually support the Switch with a um, an excellent product. It's an excellent Switch offering. I I absolutely played the living life out of 2K19. Uh, I'm traditionally I, I'm not a huge basketball video game guy. I will usually pick it up around this time of year because you'll be able to find it on sale for half price um, right. during the holiday season. So that's kind of my jam. I usually just pick it up and play whatever the uh, the my player experience is, and I'll dabble into an expansion franchise or something like that. But it's funny because you look at you look at the let's say the big four sports games, uh, FIFA. MLB, uh, NBA, and Madden. Yes, I'm leaving NHL off that list for a reason. But you look at those big four franchises and the decade that they have had each, You really, it's really hard to make a case against saying that NBA, the 2K series, had the best decade out of all of those four. Because there are so many great NBA 2K games 11 was great, 12 was great, 16 was great, 19 was great. Um, the LeBron one that nobody remembers because it, it came out on the previous-gen yeah. consoles, like uh, that that mode, the LeBron mode, where he could you could decide whether to go to the Knicks yeah, or stay the with the, the Heat or, go or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That was amazing. It, it, it's I hard to say. It's hard to look at you know the other big franchises that have been around the whole decade and say that they've had a better, more consistent 10 years than the 2K series has. The show, the show is the only yeah, one. The show, you could, you could, could make a case. A conversation. You could make a exactly. case that the show has. Um, yep. I think the show it kind of, they both kind of have that same lull period in the middle part of the decade during the console generation changeover. Um, but yeah, I, I think NBA and MLB, um, you know, they've had an amazing 10 years. Uh, and yep, and that's by the way, that's why both of, that's why one game from each of those franchises are, are in my top ten for exactly that reason. There's no other sports games, you know. It's the it's the be, in my opinion, it's the best version of those two franchises. That's why they're in my top well, ten. There you okay. go. Now on to my number four, uh, and uh, another game that might get me some flack, perhaps because of picking the sequel and not picking the original. 
My number four game is Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, a lot of people will argue and say that the original Red Dead Redemption was the better game. Those people would be wrong. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 <laughs> is, in my opinion, Red Dead Redemption 2 is the best product that Rockstar has ever made. Uh, it is a amazing experience, one that is now being brought into the online sphere. Far too early to tell if it's going to have a GTA-like impact in that sphere. Um, role play is coming to Red Dead Redemption 2 soon. That's going to bring it to a whole other cast of, of, of people, a whole other core audience. But Red Dead Redemption 2, the game, uh, for me, not being a huge fan of the first one. Yes, I played the first one. I played it once. I thought it was great. Um, but I wasn't a, as wrestling fans would call it, I wasn't a Red Dead Redemption mark. I didn't, you know, swoon over the game. I didn't, you know, get goosebumps every time I saw a grizzled John Marston uh, image online. Um but I was very, very excited for Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I, I thought it was an unbelievable game. I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours just riding around on a horse, shooting people in the Old West, because that was, you know, part of the game. Um, but I think it was, it was an amazing game. It really showed what Rockstar can do. Um, I think that story-wise and especially story-wise, I think the story was a lot more engaging than Grand Theft Auto V, which is why you have GTA V at number 9 and Red Dead Redemption 2 at number 4. I think story makes a huge difference in terms of how those games are perceived. Uh, I think the, 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 the towns and the level design and the map design was just phenomenal. Um, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 is one of those games where you'll find yourself standing on a cliff, uh, and if you're playing on a PS4 Pro with, a, you know, an HDR and a nice TV, you're just, you sit back in your chair, and you're just like, holy crap, that is a, a beautiful sight to see. Um, so for me, Red Dead Redemption 2 is my number four game. There you go. I played the original Red Dead Redemption, finished it. I uh, finished it over two sessions, like meaning like I played it for a couple of months and then I put it down and then like three, four, five, six months later, I picked it back up and then played it to, to finish. It stuck with me. I never did do Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2 only because for me, that kind of a time investment in that game, I just don't, that equation doesn't work for me right yeah. now. That's all. That's, total, that's totally work. understandable. All right, we're now into the top three. So we're, this is where the money is made, as they say. Time to start handing out some medals. And my bronze medal uh, is going to Horizon Zero Dawn, which may be a bit of a surprise. I don't talk about Horizon Zero Dawn a whole heck of a lot, but Horizon Zero Dawn is just one of those games. It's just one of those games. It is, to me... The only game I've ever played where ranged combat was fun. Uh, that's one of the reasons it sticks out in my head. Through all of the games I've played, all the Elder Scrolls games, all the games where you know bows and arrows were an option, Horizon Zero Dawn to me was the first one 
to really make ranged combat fun and 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 usable um the 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 story was was gripping the level design was amazing uh i still play it periodically Uh, i don't think i've ever fully beaten it um it was horizon zero dawn it horizon zero dawn to for me also was the first game i ever streamed that clicked with um with my audience and gave me a substantial increase in followers and viewership uh, and a lot of that spurned from you know how how much i enjoyed the game uh, i thought it was great uh, i cannot wait until they make a horizon zero dawn 2 i know it's going to happen um i am i am so looking forward to horizon zero dawn 2 i absolutely cannot wait um, but yeah, I can't say enough nice things about Horizon Zero Dawn. A lot of the things I'm saying about these games at this point are of a similar vein, you know, when it comes to uh, enjoying. Oh, you have to, and right? that's it's just yeah. for me, like you know, you look at Red Dead Redemption Two and Horizon Zero Dawn, two very different games of a similar genre that I just happen to enjoy Horizon Zero Dawn more. Then Red Dead Redemption 2, I thought everything Horizon Zero Dawn did was great. The ranged combat was great. The melee combat was great. The story was great. Uh, if you've never played Horizon Zero Dawn, you are doing yourself a massive disservice. Pick it up. Buy the complete edition. Play it. Uh, tweet me at J and tell me that uh, you, know, you were very happy that you listened to me this one time. Okay, the bronze medalist, my bronze medalist. Very few people probably even know that this game exists, and I'm not trying to sound like some sort of I'm the snooty guy picking an arty game because I'm trying to show how smart I am. Now, have you ever heard of the game Valiant Hearts The Great War, Chris? Yes. It is number three on my list. I have since uh, since being a little since I can remember I've always been fascinated by the First World War. The First World War has always just you know seeing the pictures of the trenches and the maps and and the scale and and just what World War One was, how it started, how it ended, why it started, why it ended, what happened during that whole time in between. Right now I'm reading a book like as we speak. I'm reading a book called The Plague, the War, and the World Series about 1918. Uh, you know, and it's going back and forth between Boston, where the Red Sox are playing the Cubs in the World Series, with like Babe Ruth and and the trenches and what was going on with the flu, the plague in Boston. Like World War One to this day. I've just it's it's a subject that I don't know why I'm fascinated with it, although I have an inkling why, and that's because my great great grandfather fought in Europe in the war. Uh, obviously never met him, you know, or anything like that, but maybe that has a little something to do with it. I don't know. But anyway, I accidentally heard that this game was getting made. I don't even remember how I heard, but I remember just thinking to myself, huh, that's interesting. I have no idea how this game got made. This is a, it is a, it is a, it's like a story game. It's kind of like a telltale game, but there's also elements of like, I don't want to call it platforming, but sort of getting from point A to point B. There's there's lots of regular, quote-unquote, gameplay. It's a 2D, you know, sort of moving from side to side, but there's also a lot of story to it as well, and it takes place in France 
during the war. And at times you're a soldier, at times you're a civilian in the cities. There's um, all sorts of different situations that you're put in. It didn't click for a lot of people. For me, it clicked as much as any game I've ever played. And the ending, Chris, the ending, the last level of this game absolutely made my it gave me goosebumps absolutely the last episode or the last level gave me goosebumps i adore the fact that ubisoft gave this game the green light and let the you know the the french studio that created it make this talk about a labor of love Right, this game. There was no reason for this game to get made, and it got made. And you could get again. You can tell the people who made it just crafted it with such immense respect for the source material. Right, you're talking about the First World War. Millions upon millions of people were impacted by either obviously being killed on the battlefields or killed as civilians, or or you know what happened to the environment and what happened to 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 the armies and the civilian population before, during, and after. I just. The scale, it's impossible. That's probably one of the reasons I've always been fascinated by the First World War, because the scale of it is just impossible to even comprehend. Like, the numbers don't make sense. So, yeah, uh, Valiant Hearts to Great War is number three on my list. I, I adore everything about this game, and if I could give the people who made this game a hug, I would, because God bless them for making it. Amazing experience. And there is a there is a Switch port of it available as well. Uh, I did not know they, that. They released, I'm going to buy released that. it on the Switch last year. Uh, Ubisoft always has always been a huge, huge supporter of Nintendo products. Um, so yeah, they released it in November 2018 on the Switch as well, so you can pick it up on the on the old eShop. Um, I'm a huge. I've never played this particular game, but I, I did a little bit of uh, Google in there while you were uh, singing its praises. I, I've always, you know, been a. I don't want to say it. I hate. I hate. I feel like saying a fan of real war games is, is I feel like that's a little disrespectful, but that's kind of my sentiment is I, 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 I have enjoyed over the last 20 years partaking in video game depictions of, of real war events. Um, the first one for me that comes to mind is Medal of Honor Allied Assault, which came out in the late 90s, and I still remember playing the, the Normandy level in that game, so... I'm definitely, based on your recommendation, I will be picking this up on the eShop uh, literally as soon as this, uh, as soon as we're done doing this, Rich, I'm picking it up based on how, how good, good you just sold it. Now, Rich, now you're, you're, you're on to, we're in silver medal territory here. That's right. And, and it's a, it's a very different game, but in a lot of ways spiritually in the same conversation as Valiant Hearts, the Great War. And number two, the silver medalist for me is Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. And again, for, for very much the same reason, right? I mentioned in Valiant Hearts, the Great War, the last level, the very last level really just hit me. There was a moment in Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons near the end of that game. There was a moment that struck me that literally made me stop and pause and go, whoa, that just really meant a lot to me. And I won't say what that moment is. 
Uh, again, it's very late stage, and if you've played the game, you might know what I'm talking about. You might not. I don't even know, right? Because we all have a personal experience. Brothers, Brothers Tale Two Sons, again, not the kind of game that I would typically go for. Not the type of game that is like, oh, that's a Rich Gershom game. Because those games tend to be sports games, or they tend to be they tend to be action games, not like shooter games, but action games, right? So Brothers of Tale of Two Sons, the, the way that you interact with these two different characters, the two brothers, and, and, and how you help each other navigate you know, the, the different kinds of levels, the different types of areas you go to, the different types of puzzles you have to solve. Again, we're, I'm not saying it's the perfect game. You know, there are places I got frustrated, but there are places where I stopped and you like it, it literally said, here, just stop here and take a look for a second. You stop and you're looking, you go, wow, that's really cool. Brothers of Tale Two Sons is number two. It's my silver medalist on games of the decade, Chris. So I'll do two and then you can do your, your number one and then I'll do my number one last. How about that? You, you did sure. say it was my show, so. It, it is your show. It is your show. Okay, so my number, so here's, so. Number two and number one for me were very, very, very close. And ultimately, as I did with most of the rest of the list, I went with my heart over my head. Uh, My number two game, very, very fitting that we are recording this on December 20th, 2019, as uh, a little bit of a series on Netflix launched today. My number two game is The Witcher 3. Uh, The Witcher Netflix series, uh, season one, launched today, which is why I'm, you know, making those parallels. Uh, Witcher 3 is an absolutely amazing gaming experience. Um, From start to finish, all the DLCs, um, every second you spend in the Witcher universe with Witcher 3... Um, is a well-spent second, in my opinion. From the moment you turn on the game and you uh, you know you get the little story at the beginning, you know, impoverished world ravaged by war. Um, you know, you've heard the story, you know, of a similar vein before. You know, you get in, you do the little tutorial, uh, but just there's there's no wasted moments in this game every character has a story every character has a purpose um i am playing it now again now that it has been re-released on the switch um as a lot of the games that are on these lists um have been um so i get to enjoy the witcher universe all over again uh, it was just to me i never played the first two Witcher games, I have since rectified that. I went back and played The Witcher and Witcher 2. Um, Amulet of Kings, I think the second one is called. Um, but Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is just... It, it It is about as close to perfect as you can get in an action-adventure RPG type game. Uh, the mechanics are great. The, the, the weaponry, you know, the crafting system is great. The leveling system is great. Um, the perk system is great. There's literally nothing I don't like about this game other than sometimes the controls can be a little bit janky when you're running. Um, but, you know, again, like everything else that we've talked about, this is a game that, you know, I can enjoy 
um, all these years after its release. I am so, so excited for Cyberpunk to come out next year, uh, which will also be made by CD Projekt Red. I am quite confident that, Rich, when you and I record this episode uh, 10 years from now, that Cyberpunk 2077 will probably likely be on my Games of the Decade list um, next time. You can put that, you can send me a Gmail uh, invite uh, for 10 years from now if you'd like. I'll do that. Uh, But yeah, so for me, my silver medalist is Witcher 3. Rich, the moment of truth has arrived, my friend. It is time to tell all the snagaholics out there what you have chosen as your game of the decade. This was the easiest of all of them. And that is Portal 2. Because Portal 2 is the best video game ever I was waiting for the hot out-of-the-park baseball 20 troll there but look i love out of the park baseball with my full heart do I. portal 2 is the best video game ever made right that is a rich grisham fact i'm not saying it's a fact for anyone else in the world right <laughs> but for me that statement portal 2 is the best video game ever made it's a fact it's it's astounding it it is it is so beautiful to look at to listen to to experience the world, the contraptions, the opportunities, the <laughs> the things that are said by the various people, living and dead, human and otherwise. Oh my gosh. I could go on for an hour. I won't. Portal 2 is, again, easily my all-time favorite video game. The the single player, the co-op, I mean, just the two characters, Atlas and Peabody. My son and I have spent more time playing Portal 2 than anything else. And we've spent a lot of time playing a lot of games. Portal 2 is, is, is sheer genius. Every aspect of it. Sheer genius genius and i'm just glad it exists and i'm and my son tonight was playing portal 2 building levels checking out a bunch of different mods uh it's it's the best game ever made and and i can play it tonight and still have a smile on my face because of cave johnson i mean is there a better is there a funnier video game persona ever made than cave johnson probably not and gladys i mean seriously gladys is superb sublime untoppable and hey look at shell could be my all-time favorite protagonist i've ever i mean i can't think of anyone i like playing as more than shell portal 2 is perfect it's perfect perfect and it's easily my favorite game of the decade well, there you go so there's two things that are left to determine here number one i have to hand out a gold medal and number two up until this point we have a grand total of zero games in zero common. uh <laughs> and, and spoiler alert 
that number will remain zero after I have revealed <laughs> my gold, my gold medal. We will have at a grand total of zero wow. games in common. That's amazing. My number one gold medal winning game of the decade is to me what. If I ever died and got reincarnated in a video game world, this would be the world I would want to be reincarnated in. I have so many memories from the last eight years of this game. I own it on five different platforms. Yes, five different platforms. The 360, the PS3, Steam, the PS4, and the Nintendo Switch. I own it on all of those platforms. I can pick it up and play it any day, any time, in any situation. When, I, when I'm having a bad day, it's one of the two or three games that I know I can, you know, put it, put the cartridge in the Switch, turn it on, and just get lost in a world of, of magic and make-believe. And, and, you know, it, it, that to me is what makes a great game. And I had said when I revealed my number two that, you know, I went with my, my, my heart over my head because part of me thinks that Witcher 3 is the better game. But to me, uh, my game of the decade is the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Uh, listen, there are a lot of people that do not enjoy the Elder Scrolls universe. I completely understand that. The great thing about video games is that there's one for everybody. Um, there are people who prefer, you know, the original Elder Scrolls one and two, the more you know strategy focused games. There are people who thought Oblivion was the better game, which for me was my introduction to the Elder Scrolls universe. Um, I remember standing in line at the midnight release of Skyrim. Um, which was a day later in Canada than it was in the rest of the world because it released on 11-11-2011, which is a holiday in Canada. Remember, Day is always a holiday up here. So I had to wait till the next day, and it was the most painful 24 hours of my life sitting, watching review after review, and watching people talk about the game, and, you know, there is not a moment in eight years where I've ever been disappointed by this game. Um, for all of its jankiness and quirks and uh, bugs and faults and the whole horse armor controversy, which I still think is hilarious, um, I've never been able to find a world where I can get more immersed than Skyrim. I have played through this game a dozen times if I've played through it once, and I will probably play through it a dozen more before Bethesda ever gets around to releasing another one. Um, you know, it might not be the gold standard of first-person role-playing games. Uh, you know, again, there are other games out there that might be better technically, might have a bit of a better story, but when I look at what the last 10 years of video games mean 
to me, I could stop at Skyrim and just that be the list. That's how impactful Elder Scrolls V Skyrim is to me. Uh, you know, so I am more than more than happy to hand out Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, my game of the decade. So, Rich, we had completely different lists, Rich. It's it's completely, which makes and for, I love that. Which makes for good makes for good content, Rich, because now the people will fight on Twitter and in the comments on who had the better list. Mm. So, Rich, did you did you have? Let's go through real quick. Uh, and quick hit on some of uh, some honorable mentions uh, that you maybe want to give a shout out that the the not top ten, but you also don't want them to be forgotten. Yeah, there, there there's nothing. I have I have a single category here. I'm not trying to be you know cop out or whatever. You're but not pulling a Lowerman, are you? And just gonna put put three no, no, games no. at number ten? No, I'm I'm doing a you know. <laughs> quintuple Lowerman, which is my honorable mention and but i'm not joking i really and i'm glad you're giving me the chance to say this my honorable mention is nintendo because i did not have a single nintendo game in my top 10 okay there there is not a single nintendo game that i can point to that that had a bigger impact on me as an individual game more than the individual 10 games that i put on my list however I am so happy that Nintendo does what they do. And I have purchased every Nintendo console they've made this decade, every single one, and loved all of them. I love the Wii U. Big fan. Big fan. Played a ton of it, right? I love my Switch. I love my Switch Lite. I love my 3DS. I love my 2DS. I have all of them. I played many... I can't say all because there's a lot I did. I played many Nintendo games. I played Link uh, Between Worlds. I played Mario Odyssey. I played Breath of the Wild. And I played significant amounts, right? I'm not yeah. talking dabbling for an hour. I played significant amounts of those games. I played significant amounts of Mario Maker. I loved it. Absolutely loved mm -hmm. Mario Maker and Mario Maker 2. And Smash. You know, Smash uh, was another one that... Smash, well, yeah, I played... Oh, Mario Kart. Yeah. My gosh, I have played countless hours of mario kart with my son and my nieces and you know my son's friends and stuff i feel like, like we could have did a whole show just on the top 10 nintendo right games right. of of the decade I, I i had mentioned earlier that the nintendo switch is single-handedly responsible for rekindling you know my love of games i hit a really low point where literally the only thing i played was out of the park baseball not that that's a bad thing but i just i i had stopped being interested in other games there was nothing i wanted to right. play and just you know with nintendo's wonderful combination of you know the switch online service keeping nes and super nintendo games you know in oh. your hand and you know so some good. of the remakes that they have released um, yep. you know, it, 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 in and of itself, you know, just, just now the switch is kind of a total package of gaming. Um, oh, it's the best, you know, it, it really is. So yeah, abs. I mean, I could completely understand just having, That's having exactly a category right. strictly, right. strictly because for I, Nintendo. Because I bought all of the major games and I played all of the major games and I enjoyed all of the major games. There's not a single big Nintendo game that I didn't play and really enjoy. Yeah. Not one. I enjoyed I all of them. The link, I picked up it's the just, Link's Awakening remake today. I'm excited yeah, to play Pokemon uh, on Christmas day when I can finally open it. 
Now, I don't do Pokemon, but Pokemon is also not a Nintendo game. It's a separate True. game, but I'm not in the Pokemon world. But, like, you know, every Mario game, um, you know, Super Mario Super Mario 3D Land, yeah. that game, was that from this decade? I don't, I think it, I think it was, but it might not have been. It might have been, like, 08 or 09. But, like, games like that, you know what I mean? Like, just so many wonderful, wonderful Nintendo games, but just none of them individually had the impact but as a platform if i had played nothing but nintendo games or nothing but games that were available on nintendo platforms over this decade i would have been okay you know what i mean i would have been okay it wouldn't have you know on the sports side it would have been a little a little rough i would have had fifa and nba 2k later on you know but other you know i i would have been fine because the, the nintendo platform was spectacular this decade just nothing individually made the individual top ten. uh mario 3d land super mario 3d land by the way 2011 so oh well, there you go decade. there's another great example I played a ton that game is that game that game oh my gosh that game that is it is a fan that is a 3D? fantastic game oh my yeah. gosh right so that that could have been, but it wasn't. But it could have been. <laughs> could have been on the list. So yeah, Nintendo. That's my category. That's my honorable mention. The whole, the whole everything, hardware, software, and everything. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I have a few uh, honorable mentions in no particular order. Some of them I mentioned earlier. Uh, Monster Hunter World is a fantastic, different game. I really didn't think I would like that. Um, you know, single player or community based monster hunting type of game um but uh i really enjoy monster hunter world i i'm excited i haven't got to play a whole lot of their iceborne expansion yet but i'm looking forward to it um divinity 2 original sin i think i mentioned that earlier um i haven't played it other than the remake on the nintendo switch uh but i love it i think it's an amazing game uh it really makes me upset that i didn't play it sooner um because I think it's a fantastic RPG. Uh, Battlefield 1, uh, I'm not much for the straight-up shooter types, because I my stick skills suck, I'm old, I have poor eyesight. Um, but Battlefield 1, for me, um, really showed me how much fun playing games with friends can be. Uh, I, you know, we have, I used to stream it for anyone who's a long-time fan of uh, some of my work, you know, we used to have Wednesday Night War games. We would stream Battlefield 1, um, and it was a heck of a lot of fun. We had a lot of good times with that. So it makes the list as an honorable mention more for the experience, not so much the game. Uh, God of War was an amazing game. Uh, really loved God of War. Uh, it was right there, almost cracking into the top 10. Uh, Fallout 4, which I won't go too far into because I'll get yelled at. Um by all of you online people who absolutely hate Fallout 4, but I, I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, which I talked about earlier. Uh, Breath of the Wild, which I talked about a little bit earlier. And my last honorable mention is Stardew Valley, which I don't think Stardew Valley gets enough credit um, in that space as just being a simple, mind-numbing uh, farming game relationship game that you can literally play on like your watch now i think it's on so many different consoles you can literally be walking around playing stardew valley on your apple watch um i love stardew valley it's harmless and cute and um, one guy yeah yeah it's one insane um, but it but it, but it's harmless person. and it's cute and it's um it's a it's a fantastic game and that that's it's amazing 
amazing that was made by one yeah, it's individual. Cra- it's crazy. The and the whole thing is just so well done. Like I said, it it's one of those games you turn it on and four hours go by. And you're like, crap, where'd those four hours go? And then your wife comes home and she's mad because you were supposed to do the laundry and you didn't because you were playing Stardew Valley. We've all been there. Don't pretend like you haven't. Everybody's been there. We've all had those problems. But there you have it, guys. You can, uh, we, we have our top tens, our honorable mentions, uh, games of the decade. Rich, what a, what a hell of a decade it has been. Great decade. It has, it Great has decade. been top to bottom. Um, 2010 to 2019, we've got, you know, uh, a few minutes and an hour short of being in the last 10 days of the decade. Uh, I can only hope that the next 10 years give us the same sort of caliber of video games um, that we have gotten from the last 10 years. Because the last 10 years, just looking at the 20 games that people can see on the left-hand side of the screen, right-hand side of the screen here, or if they were paying attention to the audio version at home and keeping score, you've got 20 of a, a billion just amazing products that you can play. Uh, and I really hope that the next 10 years can be anywhere near as good as the last 10. They will be. They absolutely will be. I have no, I have no doubt. Like, I've been playing games my whole life, and I'm having more fun playing them now than I ever have. So why why should I get any different? And I'll tell you right now. It won't. Oh, go ahead. No, and I was because it won't be. It, games are continuing to get better. What we have, the the the, what we have in front of us right now, Chris, at the press of a button. Think how easy it is right now, December two thousand and nineteen, between the various services that we subscribe to, and the games that we have purchased and have access to. How quickly you can be playing one of thousands of great games. The press of a button. Impossible to imagine when the decade started, Chris. Impossible. None of this stuff existed. There were no subscription services. There was no streaming services. There's no PS Now. There's no Xbox Game Pass. There's no PC Game Pass. There was Steam, maybe, but not Steam as it is now. There was no Epic Game Store. My gosh. It's ridiculous what we can do. In, in a moment's yeah. time, it's and we're we're less than we're right around uh, three months away from the best sports game of the next decade uh, being released. So that's something to look forward to. We're gonna Absolutely. we're gonna set the pace uh, yes. early in 2020 with the best sports game of the decade. Well, again, uh, I'll look for that Gmail invite for ten years from now when we record the uh, the next episode of Games of the Decade. Uh, Hopefully most of you people out there will subscribe wherever you're listening to and stick around. Uh, Rich, thank you so much, people. You guys can find Rich on the Twitter machine, at Rich Grisham. Uh, Rich, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to put this list together and coming by. Like I said at the top, uh, I really couldn't think of anybody else who I'm on speaking terms with um, that would have been a better better co-pilot than you. Uh, out this venture of literally not having one game the same on our list. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's, but I, this is great. Candy. Thank you for having no me. No problem. Thank you. Thank fantastic. you so much. Like I said, you can find Rich on the Twitter machine at Rich Grisham. You can find me on the Twitter machine at 
Snaggle J. Uh, make sure you guys, uh, if you're listening to the audio version on anchor.fm slash the Snaggle Show or your podcast app of choice, thank you so much for subscribing. Uh, hopefully we have another episode not, you know, 10 years from now. Maybe Rich and I can get together to find something to talk about of a mutual interest yeah, in the next nine years and 364 days. And we won't have to wait 10 years to put another episode of the podcast together. Hopefully, hopefully not, right, all Rich? Gonna, all I'm going to say is definitely not. <laughs> and all, all the, the other thing I'm going to say is look in your Gmail. Oh, just, my geez, you, you know. did, Rich. Okay, so just so you guys know, breaking news for all the snagaholics out there. Rich and I will be recording... Thursday, December 20th, 2029, uh, which That's is right. 10 years from now, we will be recording. I'm going to hit a yes, and then and Beautiful. Then that way we have it. Oh, he updated the invitation. What did you do, update the title? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because it, it, it was just Chris and Rich. I'm like, oh, no, uh, no, no. I got to put that title. I got to know what that's Yeah, I know. We're going to look at our calendar and be like, what the heck is that? What? Guys, thank right. you so much for listening to The Snaggle Show, and until next time... You guys have a good one. Get ready for the new decade of games. Peace.